Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel and Jen. I love you guys so much. And thank you for the warm welcome. Of course. I mean, I just love to see your spirit here in this house. And my husband was a great friend of Pastor Joel and just, he loved him some Joel Scribner. And he was supposed to come and he would be tickled pink. Well, that's my word. But he would be so thrilled that you had me here today. And so thank you so much. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to Pastor Jen. Ladies, everyone, let's stand up and honor our pastor's wife here, Pastor Jennifer. We wish you a happy Mother's Day. You are amazing, beautiful woman of God. And, you know, we need to take time and do that for our pastor's wives. They're standing alongside these mighty men of God. And I can tell you it's not always an easy position. So we love you, Pastor Jen. Happy Mother's Day to you, your beautiful mom. And I have my beautiful mom here as well. And happy Mother's Day to all of you moms here. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. I want to jump right into what I believe God has given me to share today. You know, people spend most of their lives searching for happiness, success, purpose, and meaning. But there's a problem with us specifically looking for those things. And that's many times it can actually take us down a path that leads us away from where we're really trying to go. In any case, life is filled with highs and lows, mountaintop seasons and valleys. And how many of you can say that sometimes life is just a roller coaster ride? I think we can all say that. But there is a promise, a promise that will help us through every situation, every season in life, and provide a stability that anchors our soul and hope and a profound peace that surpasses any circumstance we could possibly face. And that promise is what I want to talk about today. It's the promise that endures. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you, first of all, for your presence here, that you're here today because you're the reason we live and we move and we have our being. So we honor you today. And Lord, I thank you. Give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech to share what you've given me and anoint your people's ears and their hearts to hear and receive what you want them to hear and receive. It's a voice of many waters. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as a voice of many waters, he can have someone else hear something. And you say, I didn't hear that, but you heard something else. Somebody else didn't hear. And God has a way of doing that when you're in his atmosphere. Well, when I think about promises we make as human beings to people that we love, like, I will always be there for you. You can always count on me. We have every intention of fulfilling that kind of promise. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, so forgive me for that. And if your name is Debbie, especially forgive me. You're amazing. You're awesome. Okay, but the fact of the matter is when we um, make a promise, our promises end when our lives end on this side of the eternity. And when we make a promise, we don't, we don't think about the fact that our promise actually has an expiration date, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with us making those kinds of promises to people that we love because it's our way of providing security for them, that they can depend on us. And that's important, right? Well, many years ago, um, I married, 25 years ago, I married the love of my life, Ricky Tejada. And he was an amazing man, like Pastor Joel said, amazing man of God, a husband, a father, a pastor, a friend. And he was the kind of man he appeared to be. He was that. 
Sometimes when somebody passes away, you find out things about them you didn't know. And it wasn't the case. This man lived his life congruent. He loved God and he was a man of faith. And so when my husband was here on earth, he was someone you could count on. And when he made a promise and he said he was going to do something, he was going to follow through with it. So he had a great reputation and he kept his promises as long as it was in his power to do so. And the reason he was the way he was was because of his, his dad before him. We called him Papa. And growing up, Papa would always say to them, you know what, your word is your bond, B-O-N-D. And if your word is no good, then you're no good. I mean, Papa was hardcore. But you know what? He had a great reputation because he would keep his word. And a reputation is something that's built over the course of time. What we say we're going to do and how we consistently follow through with that establish a reputation. It's what we're known by. And if we feel strong about our reputation or our promises, how much more? Somebody say, how much more does Father God feel about the promises that he makes? Well, when God makes a promise, he uses a word that we don't use in our modern day conversation. And that word is covenant. Now, we don't say, I covenant with you. I'm going to always be there for you. Why? Because it sounds weird. Okay? And covenant is a strong word, right? But I believe it delineates the strength of God's promises in comparison to our own. So I want to tell you the definition of covenant. And we're going to, the Hebrew definition, just because the main scripture is in the Old Testament. And I want to appear really smart to you guys. So the Hebrew uh, meaning of covenant, we said is promise. But it's also agreement, pledge, contract, a commitment. Now, God's covenant promises are enduring and everlasting. They last from generation to generation. As a matter of fact, his promises actually outlive the original people he made the promises to. You think about Noah. You think about King David and Abraham. Those men are no longer alive here today, but his promises are still alive and reverberating in the atmosphere. And guess what? The evidence is visible to all mankind, not just Christians, every single day. God makes promises that endure, that last, and that will never, ever be broken. This is why the greatest gift a parent can give a child is the gift of knowing, loving, and serving this great God who gave his son, Jesus, to die for us. Because guess what? Jesus is the only one who will actually really be there for our children all the time. And even us. He's the only we Us parents, we have every intention, but we just can't do it. We're not omnipresent. And my husband used to teach our boys growing up, and I call them boys, but they're 22 and 19. Now, Mom, we're men, but you're always going to be my boys. And so um, he would tell them, guys, Mom and I would love to be there for you every minute of every hour of every day, but we don't have that ability. But Jesus is always there for you, and he's only a prayer away. All you have to do is open your mouth. You see, we've got to teach our children that Jesus loves them. They're never alone, but they need to see evidence in our own lives that we actually believe it. We can say what we want to say all we want to, but when it comes down to it, 
Our children need to see us model. Do we pray for them? Do we pray with them? Do we bring them to church? And you guys are here at church. That's wonderful. And this is so important for us to come to the house of God. And I met Sarah's children before service. I met her daughter and son. And I said, they they serve here at the church? She goes, yeah, both of them. And I thought, that's awesome. Great job. It's so important. I was reading an article recently, and the Surgeon General was talking about the greatest problems we are going through in America. And this is what he called it, an epidemic of loneliness. And he said, it's been worse since the pandemic because we see an increase of mental health struggles. And I hear, heard Pastor Joel announce, he's been talking about it. That's amazing how the Lord just weaves things together. And then there's been an increase in suicides. And so they're ready to put money towards, they have a solution, y'all. It's a solution we've always known as the house of God and the house of God, but guess what they're going to do? They're about to put a lot of money towards social, uh, towards uh, programs that encourage social connection. Hey, come to church, come to church. That's why Jesus, God had us with the festivals and the feasts and They were always partying, partying, you know, that's what God, it's important to do that and connect with someone else and not isolate. That's where trouble happens. Now you might have a contemplator kind of personality like me. And sometimes I just want my alone time in a book, but we've got to go and connect with someone else so we can lift someone else and encourage someone else. Our children need this gift. That's the greatest gift. I commend you for being here. Now come consistently every Sunday, get involved. Okay, I'm going to stop meddling or Pastor Joel's not going to want me to come back. So let's talk about the main scripture here. It's found in Isaiah 54. And real quickly, I just want to set up the background because it's important to the message. And so at this time, um, Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And this happened after Solomon passed away and his son became king and he decided that he was going to listen to his foolish young friends and he was going to rule with an iron thumb. Well, they split the kingdom. So the northern kingdom, they were still called Israel. The southern kingdom became called Judah, and Jerusalem was a part of that. So the northern kingdom, they took their own king, and they went off, turned their back on God, full-fledged, worshiping other idols, so God gave them over to their enemies. Now, the southern kingdom, there was idol worship, but there was a remnant that were really trying to serve God. And so God spoke through the prophet Isaiah And he began to tell him of some things. If you keep on this path, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go through a tough time, but I will restore you. And I will keep my promise to you, he said. So here we are in Isaiah 54, verse 10. And this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, though the mountains may be removed and the hills may be shaken, my loving devotion will not depart from you. And my covenant of peace will not be broken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Now, here is the promise that endures that I want to talk about today. His loving devotion for us will never, ever go away. Even when we feel like he's far away, he hasn't gone anywhere. It was us that turned our backs. But what really stood out to me when I first read this scripture, though the mountains may be removed, I looked at how matter of fact God sound about mountains. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Lord, when I think about mountains, I think about big, immovable, stationary objects. 
He's talking about when they're removed. But what God is saying is that objects that appear to us as immovable and strong, he says, when compared to my devoted love for you, those things are nothing. They can be uprooted. They can be thrown away. Those things are dispensable because my devoted love for you is indispensable. There's nothing compared to it. So years ago, within the first two years of my marriage, I was in a season, I was just praying for God to speak to me, Lord, through visions and, and dreams. And, and you know what? God was speaking. I, have, I started writing different things in a book. But one particular day, he gave me this dream that I'll never forget. And I, would ne- I never wanted to repeat it. And I didn't want today. But you're the first time publicly I'm ever even sharing it and telling people that God gave me such a dream. But um, it was troubling. But in this dream, I was walking down a hall. And not every dream you have is from God. But I knew this one was. I was walking down a hallway. When I got to this room door, it was closed. I opened it up. And when I opened it, my attention was drawn to a woman who was sitting next to a bed. There was someone in the bed. I never saw the face, but I knew I recognized the woman. She was a pastor's wife at our church at that time. And she turned to me and she said, First Peter 1, 6 and 7, when I walked through the door and I woke up. That was it. So sometimes you have a dream God's given, you'll wake up on something he wants you to remember. So I scribbled in the darkness. I scribbled that down, but I I was too lazy to get up and look it up. So I couldn't wait till morning. I looked up that scripture when morning came, and this is what it says. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now, okay, you're positive. I love that. Because I'm telling you, the only part of that scripture that I liked was the beginning. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, but we have a tendency to focus on the negative. So that's what I did. And I was so troubled. So when morning time came, I couldn't wait to tell my husband when he woke up, I said, honey, honey, I had a dream. God gave me this dream. And this was the scripture he gave me. I read it to him and I said, why would God give me a scripture that I'm going to go through a whole bunch of things? Why? I was just freaking out. He said, honey, he always had a way of just calming us down. He said, honey, listen, let's just pray. And we're going to put this dream at the feet of the Lord, and we're going to just trust the Lord. He was a great man of faith, and we did that. But I would be a liar if I didn't tell you that every time I would come back and think about that dream and, and pull out that scripture and read it, maybe I, maybe I missed something in it, right? And I read it again. I was troubled again, but I, I exercised the same thing. He would always say, make the exchange, honey, make the exchange with God. I would give him the fear, and I'd say, God, I trust you. I choose to trust you, whatever this means. Well, a couple of years later, I'm going to tell you just a few things I went through. Not everything, but just a few things. So a couple of years later, I ended up getting a staph infection. It was after I just had my firstborn son. And um, it was close to Christmas time. And uh, my, my uh, doctor was on maternity leave, so I had another doctor that was trying to handle her, uh, his people and my, my doctor's people. And so they let me out of the hospital after I just had my first baby with a fever. 
And so I went home and each day it got worse and worse. And there was something on this left arm that we saw was a little area that was, that would grow and was getting red and it was just growing, getting bigger and bigger until this arm was swollen three, swollen three times the size of this one. And my husband had to buy me a, what do you call it, a sling? Because the gravity of it pulling down was, it was horrible pain. And so here I am. And, and so we called a pastor couple at the church and it happened to be the lady that was in my dream. And she prayed for us. She said, Ricky T, you need to take her to emergency tonight. And he did. He took me to emergency. And they said, I want you to go get her stuff, check her in. We need to do surgery today. When I showed back up, I had six doctors on my case, including an infectious disease doctor. And they were afraid that I could possibly lose this arm or that it had already spread to my body, all over my body. They didn't know what kind of infection it was. So for the, I was in the hospital 10 days, and for several days, they were trying different antibiotics, and it wasn't responding to anything because they were drawing on my arm, and it kept growing and growing, getting higher and higher. So finally they said, okay, uh, we're going to have to give you, we have only one more. This is the strongest antibiotic that exists for staph infection. They said, but we have to get your permission because there's some pretty severe potential side effects. And I didn't want to hear about them because I'm a contemplator. And I, I couldn't listen to all the bad things it could be doing because while they're putting in my arm, I'm good thinking about all the horrible things and it couldn't do what we needed to do. I said, just talk to my husband and he'll decide. So they talked to him. They shared, I still don't know what it is and I refuse to look it up. So I can't link it to any symptoms I have now, you know, or anything, but I didn't look it up. And so we prayed and he, so this was our prayer. God, let this medicine do what we needed to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's where my faith was. I felt at peace. Okay, let's move forward. So I started receiving this antibiotic and it started responding. Thank God, by the grace of God, we made it through that. And for 10 days, I was in the hospital and I begged to get out so I could go see my baby. And they said, no, we need you to stay for another about five days. And I said, well, I, I can get home health. So they let me have home health and go home for another five days to be on that antibiotic that my, my cousin, who's a, a doctor, said, girl, you on that stuff a long time. That is not good medicine. I said, don't tell me about it. I know. But I made it through. Well, a couple of years later, by the grace of God, made it through. A couple of years later, I was diagnosed with a disease that the doctors say is incurable called Graves' disease. I remember that season walk through that. And um, I was so thin and pitiful, but I was always at church worshiping God. We walked through that. It was about five tough years, but we made it through. And I have, um, for the first thing, I have an ugly scar of my five different scars on my left arm as a reminder that the enemy tried to take me out, but God brought me through. <laughs> Amen. God is faithful and amazing. But listen, so then the worst thing that could ever happen in 2021 for me to lose the love of my life. Let me tell you, I, my husband and I were so close. We did everything together, everything. Sometimes we went to sleep holding hands. I mean, we were just close. I, I loved him then, I still now. And I still cry every day. It's been a long time. Some people move on quicker, but I'm trusting God moment by moment. God is so faithful. But this is the thing, I'm still standing. And I have the joy of the Lord because I can go places. I went to the hair salon and when I came back from the washbowl, the, the lady who was there, she said, I was telling um, the lady that works in your hair, she's got the joy of the Lord on her because you know they all know I lost my husband. So it's like, oh, she, she, know. It's like she has the joy of the Lord on her. So wow, you know? So we want people to be able to see us and know there's a difference. See, God never promised us we would never have struggles, but he promised he would love us through every single one of us. And I can tell you that he has done that. 
Our problems and our grief can sometimes seem big and insurmountable. But in comparison to the great love of God, we can overcome. Our grief and our problems can be overcome. And they can cease to have the power that it once had over us. I can tell you that. But it always requires something from us. Our participation. We need to learn to lean into the love of God, even when we don't understand the whys of our situation. Why did this happen? Why? That doesn't matter. The most important question is what? What do I need to be doing right now? And that's leaning into him and allowing him to bear the weight of our struggle. Depend on him to bring us through and not other vices like alcohol and drugs and overeating you know, food. We're just medicating the pain when we go to the doctor you know do we do we go to, to just get medicine for pain no sometimes we leave with that right but that's not the reason we went we went to find a solution to our problems and god is the solution his love and his grace is the solution to every problem we face psalm 68 1 says this let god arise and his enemies be scattered let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I love that scripture. Here's what I visualize. I visualize God standing up from his throne. And as he's standing up, he's still standing and standing. As he continues to stand, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then his enemies just, whoa, they scatter like minions. I love that visual. Because for us in our lives, we need to let God arise in our thoughts and in our hearts instead of the problems that we rehearse and we're miserable and, and we spiral downhill. Allow him to fill our thoughts and our hearts till our fears are calmed, till our pain subsides and hope arises inside of us. We have to allow him. He says, my loving devotion, my constant love, my consistent love. I, I will never turn my back on you. My love for you won't ever depart. You won't ever feel alone unless you walked away from me, unless you're focusing on the problems and not on me. He says, I know it's hard right now, but you're going to be okay because I'm with you. I don't know what you're going through in your marriage. <clears throat> he says, you're going to be okay because I am with you. Maybe there's something you're, that's happening with your children, whatever age they are. He goes, you're going to be okay. I'm with you. Maybe there's something going on in the workplace. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that Mother's Day is a hard day for you because you've lost your mother. Or maybe you are a mother and you've lost a child. I don't know what it is, but God says, you're going to be okay because my love for you won't quit. So you shouldn't quit either. God is faithful and he is there for you. And listen, his love, it's a mystery. I know I keep saying, you're like, how, how does his love do all of this? His, it's a mystery. His love is unlike any other love we've ever experienced. A love for a spouse, a love for a family member, it's wonderful, it feels good, but it doesn't have the power to give life. God's love is life-giving. 
It can heal and restore us. It can liberate us in ways that nothing else can. It can provide hope where there's hopelessness. It can extinguish our fears and lift us out of depression. It can heal every disappointment. His love has the power to set us free from the self-imposed prisons we allow ourselves to be caught in many times. His love is enough to get us through whatever we face. His love can give us a new mindset and perspective so that we will no longer see our challenges as objects we can't get around, but as opportunities for God to show himself faithful on our behalf. Is that what you need the Lord to be for you today? That is what he, I am a living testimony of that. He can show himself faithful if you just give him a chance. If you just give him a chance. His love is the solution to every problem we face. And it reminds me of this song that was sang by England Dan and John Ford Coley. Is that okay, Pastor Joel? It's called Love is the Answer. My husband always sang a song, so this is in honor of him. But it goes, light of the world, shine on me. Love is the answer. Come on. Shine on us all, set us free. Love is the answer. Isn't that a great song? You see, the old folks, they got it. They know the song. The young folks are looking at me dumbfounded like, you're old. We haven't heard that song before. But let me tell you, it was a great song back then. It's still on my playlist. It's a great song now. Love is the answer to every problem that we face. And Isaiah 61.3, God says, I will give you a crown of beauty for the ashes in our lives, a crown of beauty. You know how he uproots despair and any of the other dark elements that we're struggling with, depression, whatever it is, and then he plants seeds of hope inside of us. And then those produce beautiful blossoms in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Women, listen, let me just talk to you for a second. I don't know if you're single, I don't know if you're married, I don't know if you're divorced or if you're a widow like me, but you're looking for endless love? He's always been there. He still is. And he always will be there for you. My husband and I, that was our song, Endless Love. Well, now I've been like, you know what? The Lord is here. He's here, Lord. You are my, literally, endless love. And I want you to know that, ladies, because maybe you've been struggling whatever season of life you're in. Stop wasting your time on these Jake Leg guys that aren't loving the Lord and wanting to to serve him. But keep your eyes on the Lord and let him bring the right person in your life, all right? You don't have to go looking because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I'm getting sidetracked again. Okay. It's interesting that God spoke these words to, through Isaiah to his people before they ever went through something. Why? Because he knows that when we go through tough times, we have a tendency to forget the good that he has in store for us. That's why we rehearse the bad and we spiral and we're, we get crazy. And so he was reminding them to remind themselves when the hard times come. So that's what I'm doing for you today. You might not be in a hard season yet, but you know what? Seasons come and seasons go. And just like the seasons change and the weather, the seasons of our lives change. And we all go through summer seasons, but a winter season may be on the way. And I'm encouraging you now to remind yourself when you get in that place of the incredible love of God. This is what should give us hope to press through his devoted 
loving, his loving devotion, his constant love for us endures. It will never quit. So we, wouldn't, we shouldn't quit what? On ourselves, on God, and on others. John said, uh, Jesus said this in John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, the reason why God wants us to really experience his love is not just for us, but it's because he wants us to give it away. He wants us to share it with the world. See, when Jesus, before he went on the cross, one of the last messages that he shared with his disciples was about love. Why? Because perhaps he knew that love was our greatest challenge, but it was also our greatest solution. And we didn't understand that. So it was a very important message that he wanted us to hear. Now notice the second part of that scripture, the one we read. He says, I've given you a covenant of peace or a promise of peace that will never be broken. Now, why did he specifically refer to his peace as a covenant here? Why didn't he say, I've given you peace? Remember, the other definition for covenant is agreement. Have you ever met that Christian person that says they're a Christian, but they are always miserable and uptight and they're in turmoil? Maybe you are that person. There's no, there's not, there's not anybody like this in this church. I know there isn't. But this is why I believe he said it, because here's our challenge. If we really want the peace, we need to choose to agree with him, to rest and remain in that place of peace. It's our choice. He's not going to force you while you're all, he's like, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm lift. I'm reaching out for you. Come on. I'm right here. But it's our choice to drink from the well of living water that never runs dry or to be parched and depressed, trying to satisfy our thirst other ways. It is our choice. Life happens. That's true. Life happens, but if we make Jesus our refuge, our shelter, no matter what the weather is, not just in the time of storms, and we've just come through a lot of them, but we can abide in peace. It's our choice to remain under the shadow or the shelter of the Almighty, like Psalms 91 says, or we can remove ourselves from the place of rest when challenges come. But I want you to know this. I want you to have security in knowing this. That even if we decide to remove ourselves from the banner of his love and the covering of his peace, he's still there. He didn't leave. But he feels far away. That's because you left. That's because you turned around. He's still there reaching for you. One more scripture I want to share is Jeremiah 33. And in this scripture, it's about 100 years later from the other scripture. But there's something unique about this one. But the children of Israel in the southern kingdom have survived Several generations of God not giving them over to their enemies. But now trouble is knocking at the door. And I'm not going to sing that song. I kept thinking, someone's knocking at the door. But anyway, um, trouble was knocking at the door. And God says, I'm about to give you over, but I will restore you. And I will keep my promises to you. But here's the difference in this scripture. God is revealing now evidence of his great reputation. Regarding any promises, he's saying, here's the evidence. Here's proof that I keep my word. And look at this. Jeremiah 33, verse 19, he says, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night cease to occupy their appointed times, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant. Now, let's stop right there. Because I had never thought of it this way, 
But the, re the reason we have a day and a night is because God actually made a covenant with each one of them. Now, remember the other definition of covenant is what? Agreement. So God actually said, now day, I want you to start here and then you're going to end here. Night, I want you to pick up where day left off and you end here. The day you come back again. And y'all just continue that until I say anything different. Okay, got it? Capiche? I never thought of it that way. But it's interesting that really back in Genesis 1, and I'm just going to read it to you, when he was creating the night and the day, this is all we heard or read. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. That's all we ever heard. And let me tell you, I had not seen this till I saw Jeremiah. I'm like, but now he reveals the method of how he did the day and the night when he wanted to prove how reliable he was. He was like, I made a covenant and agreement with them. It's never been broken. And so my covenant with David will not be broken. My covenant with Pastor Joel will not be broken. My covenant with Sarah will not be broken. My covenant with whatever you're in, you put your name in there. His promises for, to you will not be broken. Because have you ever wondered about whether there will be a sunrise or a sunset? Day after day, we still witness the evidence that God's promises can never be broken. Day and night comes and goes proof that his promises won't ever be broken. Doesn't our God have a great reputation? Hasn't he kept every word? He has. We see the evidence of his love every single day. So why can't the world witness the evidence of his love working through us every day? Why are we so miserable and lonely and depressed? And I just can't get up and we're afraid. It's okay if you go through that, but just don't stay there because we have got to get up and go and change the world. Another scriptural example really quick that God keeps his promises is Genesis 9, 14, and this is with Noah. So you know where I'm going with it, okay? He says, whenever I form clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and every living creature of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. It sounds like he's repeating, but he says something different. He says, and whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting, never ends covenant between myself and every living creature of every kind that is on the earth. Now listen, mankind for generations... Since the, a long, long time have seen the sunrise and the sunset and they've seen rainbows and not realized that's, that means that God loves me. He keeps his promises. Man, God is there for me and his peace is available for me. And I want you to grab a hold of that today. That is not just for the people of God. Everyone has witnessed it. And we must learn to embrace his love and walk in his peace so we can go and change the world. So we can change McKinney. So you can change your neighborhood. This area that God has for you to impact. Pastor Joel has talked about just with giving the money for the bottles. With the bottles, what? Baby bottle. Yes, that's your way of impacting and making a difference. We need to take these opportunities to show the love of God. Because guess what? The world is not what it could be because we, the people of God, are not who we should be. Let me repeat that. The world is not what it could be because we, the people of God, are not who we should be. 
I'm not blaming us for everything that goes wrong, but we could make more of a dent in the world. We can help more people to know Jesus, to experience his love, to want to come to church. We should fill up churches and have church all day on Sunday. You know, where people just, you should always invite a friend to come. Come with you because you don't know. They might wear a smile, but they might be so depressed. <clears throat> they might be thinking of suicide and you don't even know it. You don't know it. So just be God's love his hands extended to others around you. If you're embarrassed about trying to witness to him, just say, hey, you want to come to church? We're having this event. Whenever there's an event or just something different, invite him to church. When they get in this atmosphere, let me tell you, remember I said God is the voice of many waters? He knows what he needs each person to hear and he can speak the exact thing that that person needs to make it through and you were the answer, the solution to whatever problem that they were going to just because you invited them to church. Amen? The love of God is the solution to every problem. The grace of God, our Father God. We need to experience his love and his peace first so then we can bring it to the world. Thoughts I want to leave with you in summary today. I've done some repetition on purpose because when you're in a group setting, you, you really, you don't remember everything, but if you hear it over and over again, it helps you to remember. I'm always, I'm, I'm a note taker kind of person. So here's thoughts I want to leave you with. Let's remind ourselves of his promises and teach our children. That's the least we can do for our children. You love your children, bring them to church, teach them to love and serve the great almighty God. When we feel alone, remember, we're not really alone because Jesus is always there. He's only a prayer away. And we have security in knowing that God is lovingly devoted to us, that we don't have to be afraid about our future because our future is secure in him. And that's what I stand on all the time. We can rest because he has given us a covenant of peace that can never be broken, but it's our choice to rest and remain under the banner of his love and the covering of his peace. So we could stay in, exposed to internal elements of, of depression and, and, and just loneliness and whatever it is we're struggling, living in the fragments of storms long gone. But we keep rehearsing it. We keep bringing it back into the presence instead of moving forward so God can give us all the great things he has in store for us. I want you to mark this day, Mother's Day 2023. I'm leaving some junk behind as I move forward. It's our choice to rest and remain. We should never lose hope, even if our situation looks hopeless. Because we see evidence every day that God keeps his promises. Remember, as long as there are days and nights and rainbows, his promises will endure to us. So we need to endure as well. I hope you never look at a sunrise, a sunset, or rainbows the same again. His reputation is undeniable. So let's never waste our struggles. It pleases the Lord and it moves him when we worship him through our pain because we're saying, I trust you, Lord, even though we might worship him through the tears. I do it all the time. I don't fall apart, but I, you know, I can, if I tell my friends, if you want to be around me, I might just start crying for no reason because I just, at that moment, something happened, something was said and it hits me. I don't fall down and break, but I, I they just let me cry and I, we go on and we have fun and do whatever. He will never leave, leave us or turn his back on us. 
His love is the answer and the solution to every problem we face. And since his love for us won't quit, what? We shouldn't either. We shouldn't quit, quit on him, on ourselves, or on one another. We need each other. He's created us to be interdependent and not independent. So self-isolating. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I want to ask you to stand on your feet right now. And this is what I want to ask you to do, to lift up your hands to the Lord, however you feel comfortable. Maybe like Pastor Joel said earlier, just turn your palms open to receive from the Lord because he's here today. His presence is here. And I want you to take this moment and whatever you're walking through, the person next to you might not have even told them that you feel suicidal. You might not even told them how depressed you are or how fearful you are. But I want you to tell the only one who can make a difference right now where you are. I want you to open your own mouth and I want you to say, Lord, I give you the fear for my future. I give you the depression. God, I give you the loneliness. God, I give you, oh Lord, just whatever it is. Anger, maybe it is. Frustration. I want you to open your mouth right now and give it to him. You're not, um, you might think, oh no, look, I'm beyond that kind of thing. No, you're human and we all go through things. So I'm going to ask uh, Josh and the team to just, as they sing this song, I want you to take a moment between you and the Lord and just let him minister to you right where you are. Come on and just worship him. house of miracles. We bring everything Come on and speak to the Lord. Jesus, everything. Lay it down. In the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Oh, come alive. In the name of Jesus. Come alive. In the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Open up the dark places of your soul. He's not going to force you to give it to him. You need to give it to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. This is a house of miracles because you're here. You're here, God. And we surrender to you. We will not be afraid. We trust you, God. We need you, Lord Jesus. Give us a, a revelation of your devoted love for us. Lord, maybe some people are here and they feel like you're far away right now. Lord, wrap your arms around them. Holy Spirit, just come upon them and help them to sense your love like never before. I thank you to that you will release your peace that surpasses all understanding, that is guarding our hearts and our minds in you, Christ Jesus. You are our God. You are our strength. We surrender to you. We receive everything that you're wanting to pour out. Receive right now. Come on and receive it. Say, Lord, I receive whatever you're wanting to give me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, he's here. He hears the cry of your heart. But I wanted you to open your mouth so your ears could hear, so your heart could receive. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads because this is very important. Maybe you're here today. You know, sons and daughters, we have access to things that 
the parent has that no one else has. My children can come in my house. They can go straight to the master bedroom. They can go to the refrigerator. But if a neighbor knocks on the door and walks to my bedroom, I'm going to have some concerns with that. They don't have access to private areas in my home. But as sons and daughters, we have access. And so I want, if maybe you're here today and you said, I don't know for sure if I'm a son or a daughter. If I, if I close my eyes and, and breathe my last breath, I'm not sure that I would open my eyes in heaven. We will spend eternity somewhere. But you're saying, I don't know that I'll be with this wonderful, amazing God who loves me. And I want to be sure. Maybe you've never accepted him. Maybe you have accepted him, but you've turned your back on him. You know you have. You've walked away like some of those people in Israel. And you're like, I don't know if I breathe my last breath. I don't know if I would open it in eternity and with him and his presence. And I'm asking you wherever you are in this place right now, and don't be shy. If you're here and you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm asking you to just lift your hand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but lift your Yes, I see that hand. Come on, I see another hand. Anybody else? Come on. You want to accept another hand. Beautiful. To accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. That is just beautiful. Yes, I see another hand. Listen, come on. These are new sons and daughters. These are sisters and brothers. I'm going to keep asking. Any other hands? Anyone else? Raise it high if you're saying, I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. It's very easy to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says this. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and just believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. So now I want all of us, we're going to pray with you together. I want you to repeat after me all, with all of those that raised their hands. Dear Jesus, I surrender to you right now. I need you. I love you, God. I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me for my sins. Fill me with your presence and your power. Fill me with your joy and your peace. And I thank you that I am saved. Come on and let's give God a praise offering for all of those new sisters and brothers who have just come into the kingdom of God. Now let me say this. Because maybe you're here and you didn't raise your hand. But God saw it your heart. I want you to go home and you, I want you to really commune with the Lord. I want you to come up and say something to Pastor Joel, Pastor Jen, or any one of the leaders. If you say, I didn't raise my hand, but I'm that person because I want them to be able to connect with you. But God bless you. This is a great house of God. Invite your friends to church and change this community that God has called you to serve. God bless you. And thank you, Pastors Joel and Jen for having me.